A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. You're listening to Star Wars Beyond the Films, the official expanded universe podcast of StarWarsReport.com. There is a great disturbance in the force. That's right, Whistler, you're listening to episode 263 of Star Wars Beyond the Films, your Star Wars discussion podcast, your podcast of legends, as well as canon, your ticket to that galaxy far, far away. Our episodes broadcast on the Star Wars Report website, Second Airborne Division of Podcasts at www.starwarsreport.com. Episodes can also be found on iTunes as well as Stitcher and even Spotify and right on our own Twitter and Facebook pages at SW Beyond Films. Hey, but enough about how you got here. Let's get this show started. I'm one of your hosts, the defender of the EU, the champion of the multiverse, the bipolar Star Wars fan, Mark Herleman, and with me like the ghosts of Kyber Pass, the doctor of timelines and a Wookiee-sized Star Wars fan in his own right, our own Dr. Jim Lehane. And like the Kyber of Christmas past, I come with you with no actual answers, but more questions, and in a weirdly rhythmical, nonsensical way of speaking. Mm. But at least you put it out there right out the gate, you know? Like, everybody, there's no questioning what Jim is about. (laughs) (laughs) I wish all, like, the, um... The, the, the sages from like all these stories just come right out and go I'm never I'm, a, I'm actually not going to answer any of your questions you just need to you need to figure it out on your own so if you want to keep going from here that's cool otherwise we can like go our separate ways and would be good <laughs> like Roger <laughs> she's like I'll tell you no truth <laughs> everything's a lie <laughs> like oh man I don't know what to believe <laughs> so are you lying now or was because that doesn't make any sense. If everything's a lie, but you're not lying, then you're telling the truth, and it's not. But wait, if uh... yeah, it gets a little confusing. stars beyond the films we ask the tough questions questions that have bothered you for a long time or simple ones that have perplexed you off and on you ponder about star wars and so do we this episode we ponder emma candon's ronin a visions novel now before we get too deep into spoiler territory we'll give you a quick spoiler free rundown just be sure to jump off at tarkin's arrogance now some of the things we normally talk about, like, could it be adopted in the canon? We're going to just touch on that real quick, and then we'll come back to that in our spoiler-filled part. Uh, was it any good? Was it accessible? And what is Visions? Well, let's start with, could it be adopted into canon? I'm going to say this is a story that could easily be adopted into canon if you pick the right time frame, and I will explain more on that in the spoiler-free part. Um, Jim, anything that you have to add to that before we discuss what is Visions per se? I have lots to say on the canonicity of Visions and this story in particular. I don't know when you want to go into it. Ooh. Oh, good. Yeah, we should definitely... I'm, I'm looking for... We'll save it for now. We'll just uh, keep it simple with could it be adopted? And, oh, man, I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> I don't know. You're you're already pretensing what I have to say by using the word could. 
I personally don't see any reason why it is not canon now. Ooh, interesting. Okay, all right. So what is Visions? I mean, this is not a Legends novel. There's no banner on it there. It, It isn't really described as a canon novel. It's a Visions novel. And if you've been watching Disney Plus, you know that there's a TV show called Visions. Um, So, Jim, what is Visions per se? Well, Visions was a um, drive uh, mandate or something of that variety that Lucasfilm had put out there where they wanted specifically Japanese creators to create several um, anime shorts within the Star Wars universe. Um, but allowing them to do their own take on the stories. And so a lot of the Vision stories have very strong ties to Japanese culture and more like a in-depth anime feel to them. But they of the nine uh, shorts that we got made by seven different creators, they pretty much run the gamut on everything you could ever think of what is an anime story or like anime style. Mm-hmm. And so the Ronin novel is based off of the first of the shorts, although they all came out at the same time. They are episode uh, numerically. So this is the, the first short, The Duel, uh, by Kamikaze Duga. Um, that's our Ronin story takes place basically starting on as a recreation of that short and then continuing on from there. And I've heard a lot of people stating that these are emphatically non-canon, but I hadn't heard specifically that they are non-canon, only that they aren't specifically tied to the canon that we know. Right. It definitely is a classic Lucasfilm muddy water of like, we're going to give you a nice defined line and then we're going to put something out that just kind of falls between the line and make you guess and we're not going to give you a statement whatsoever I'm, i think that was one of the things that got me excited about this book right um it was a book that didn't exactly take place in canon you know you watch the 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 shows were definitely something that felt like they weren't intended to be canon but they were something inspired by and then you have this book and you're like Okay, cool. We're going to we're going to explore this world. We're going to learn what it's about. And of course, as a Legends fan, I got excited because I'm like, you know, one of the big things about Legends stuff is like, well, we're not going to focus on that. We're going to focus on the canon stuff. We're not going to put any energy into telling those stories. We're going to focus all of our energy on the canon. And then you give us a story that might not actually fit into canon. So I got excited like, hey, you know, if you if you're willing to do this. Maybe we're going to eventually see the other thing. So, you know, I got I got my hopes up. I think that might have been a problem on my end, but I didn't let it apply to the story that we're getting because the story to me, when I was reading this story, I was looking at it like its own little one off universe kind of thing. It was kind of self-contained and it was blowing up a new world. In a sense, it was very to me similar to the Star Wars, the comic that Dark Horse put out that was Lucas's original rough draft. Uh, kind of how it was its own world. That was how I was looking at this. Um, and I really, I, I enjoyed that aspect about it. I had a lot of questions. Um, and I think for me, like that was the biggest disappointment, keeping this spoiler free. My biggest disappointment was that 
I was more invested in the story and didn't get a lot of the answers that I was hoping to get. Uh, a lot of the closure that I was hoping to get and a lot of the tapestry that was being built. I, I feel like a lot of it has got the details, but it's not quite colored in well enough. So it's like I could see the city through the clouds, but I really don't know what city I'm looking at kind of thing. Um, things about the Kyber crystals were really cool and interesting, but I really wanted to know more details. Um, the ghosts, they kept talking about ghosts. I want to know more about that. Uh, there was a mirror. I want to know how the mirror worked. There were a lot. And so, you know, there's a gambit there when it comes to Star Wars in general with me, like that line between you want to keep some mystery and you want to give some answers. And I do lean more on the side of I'd rather have less mystery or I would rather have my mysteries be solved eventually. And I think that that's a good chunk of why I disliked the overall story was because I didn't get a lot of the answers that I was hoping to get. Um, if I park that right character wise, I, I enjoyed the characters. They were, they were presented in ways that I was drawn into them. I was interested in them. I definitely wanted to know more. So Emma's writing style, they definitely had me pulled in right away. Um, and, and as you said, you know, the dual episode, I think it was like the first one to three chapters of the book is that. And what was very interesting is the story goes so different from what you see on screen once you go beyond that chapter and you find out that the characters have a history way beyond that. Like, I would have never assumed that the Bandit and the Ronin were going to eventually be teaming up at some point. Like, like and, and the way that certain characters would become demons um, and the whole concept of demons in the story was very interesting. I really, really got a kick out of that. But when we got to the end and we were, you know, I thought we were going to explain how the demons were created, what was being done and all that kind of stuff. It was, it was very nebulous and vague. And, and again, that's just, that just isn't my cup of tea. That was definitely something that bummed me out. I was really looking forward to some answers and I, I just didn't get them. So I lean more on the negative side, but I, I feel like there was so much potential here that it's an interesting thing to dissect and take apart because I don't know if we will ever see anything like this Again, like this could be something we will get more vision novels of, or it could be just a, a shot in the dark. This is the one little ember that burnt out and we will never see their like again, which gets back to that legend side. I was hoping this would be so successful. They're like, hey, let's let's put out a legend story too. like the idea that they're willing to tell book stories that aren't per se canon exactly excites me. So I, I've got conflicting thoughts on this whole story <laughs> but i'm really looking forward to your thoughts because we were talking about it on on facebook you know and a lot of the people that i have following my feeds you know they're, they're kind of more on that negative side of things where they it was it wasn't riding them well they weren't enjoying the ride they would get a little rawhide moment and we're kind of like i'm feeling a little bucked off so and then you had commented about how you had the audiobook and you really enjoyed it so i was really looking forward to hearing what you got out of this so jim lay it on me man all right. So first, I want to preface this, and I, I know you're, you're you're similar that I have read. I've been reading the Star Wars novels since early '90s, when um, pretty much shortly after *Heir to the Empire* came out, I've read every single novel that has ever come out with a Star Wars banner up until the latest Thrawn book is the only book I haven't read yet. And so that's you're looking at over what a hundred plus novels with the Star Wars banner. This is un 
The Legends banners alone is like 360. Yeah, yeah. so you're looking <laughs> hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of novels that I, I've read literally every single one. Not bragging, but to give to a point that this is unlike any other Star Wars novel we have ever had. It is right. kind of its own thing. And because of that, I can see a lot of people not liking this book. But I can also see a lot of people really liking this book because it's, it's, it, it is unexpected. And I found it unexpected in a good way. And I can see people finding it unexpected in a bad way. Like, I, I, completely legit reasons to not like this book. And I understand mm-hmm. them fully because it is so different from anything else we've seen. It is not a story built on the story. Like, a lot of our Star Wars books are action-adventure books. They follow the, the main plot. You don't get much background, and that is it. Like that that is what we get. We get these action adventure storylines. A lot of other the other grouping of our stories, our Star Wars stories are character based where we find a lot about the characters but not much action happens. This is not like any of those. This is I kind of equate it to like an epic poem, like the Iliad, the Odyssey, something like that. You are oh. there to get the the um, as a friend of mine on my other podcast put it, it, it's the journey, it's not the destination. You are there to um, soak in the um, literacy, the, the kind of the, the narrative that is being we- woven for you, not necessarily taking in the story that you're getting, which the story that you're getting is fun and great, but you don't get a lot of answers. And that's part of the issues that I know you had with it. And, and if you can get past the fact that you're not getting the answers and you're more there for that epic um, kind of poem, uh, lyric, lyric, lyrically, like that word, whatever that word is, um, (laughs) lyricosity, that's not a real word, but we'll go with that one. Um, (laughs) That's what you're getting. And so if you kind of understand that's what you're getting, it takes a long time for this story to say anything and so you kind of have to be Mm -hmm. patient with it you're not going to get answers immediately and even listening to it through audiobook you do have a tendency to kind of have your mind wander which is like reasons i really didn't like the alphabet squadron book because he took forever to say it but here you're kind of getting like a, 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 a i like the way this is being told a lot better than the alphabet squadron which was supposed to be a hard sci-fi type story but with a lot too much text in there where this, the too much text is part of the style in this one. Yeah. One of the cool things that I I really enjoyed was the new take on Jedi and Sith. And we don't get a lot of details, which again, kind of bummed me, but we get enough that I was very interested. So like the Jedi have like bloodlines, family lines, um, where one saber will be passed down through the family and there'll be an heir that will get it and that kind of stuff. Uh, And they have, you know, like this whole community built up around that. Plus there was an empire that they serve and the emperor had sons. Um, So a lot of details on the larger galaxy that were brought forward that I think that I, I immediately 
wanting to know more, I was applying a lot more pressure to those things. Like I wanted to have those answers to really fill in the questions, but they weren't really needed. And I think that that was part of my problem. It's like I was really putting value on answers that weren't coming. Um, so I, I felt a little let down, but the cool aspect of it is, is like, so like the Sith, like with Canon and even legends, you know, the Sith kind of sprung from the Jedi taking a stance against the status quo and doing something different. And it seems like the evil that came out of the Sith was kind of like, kind of almost like a political party kind of thing, or each side of the political party thinks the other side is bad. Kind of <laughs> like, you know, like I, I never quite got the idea that the Sith were as evil as the Jedi seemed to make them. And I never really got the feeling that the Jedi were as evil as the Sith side was trying to make them, but I never got really details on either side enough to really lock in. So there was a lot of times that certain parts of the story, I was really confused about what was going on because of the, the nature of how Emma was writing things. Um, a couple times I had to go back. Like, in fact, there was one big reveal that really ticked me off because it happened so nonchalantly that I had to go back and reread it three times before I realized, yeah, that really just happened. I mean, it was so quick that it was like a, a secondary character goes, wait, what? And like, that was it. Like, like that was the, the key in of, yes, this character is what you're thinking. And I was like, wait. Huh? And I had to go back and reread that chapter three damn times, and then I was so upset because it happened so quick. Maybe that's brilliance. I don't know. <laughs> but it it took me off, man. I was really took off guard. I'm like, wait, what, what's happening here? What is going on? And there were moments like that where I had to stop and go back and reread things because I was like, did I miss something? Um, and and when we were talking pre-show, you know, you were talking about uh, Fox's character having some controversy, and I didn't find Fox too controversial as a character. I I found Fox very interesting. Um, there was some, I think like the only complaint I have about Fox's character is like, as the characters were living with that character, they were still referring to the character in the way that they first ran into him. So like the Ronin would call Fox the traveler. Um, but everybody on the ship that they were on would call Fox Fox because of the mask that Fox wore, which was like a Fox, which to me would, naturally make me think Ronan would naturally start calling him Fox too. But no, he kept calling him Traveler. But I swear there were times where even Ronan was calling him Fox. And then at the end of the book, he started going back to Traveler. And I was like, wait, what is going on here? I don't think, I don't think Ronan ever called, um, called them Fox because specifically okay. when they met, um, the Traveler said, you can call me the Traveler. And that is the way that Ronan stuck to um, what they called them the entire time. Okay, so and that was that was what I thought was it might have been on me because there is an issue I'm having when it comes to reading about non-binary or, or gender fluid characters that use they and them exclusively, and and you know we talked about this on, on one of the last episodes. You know, like I I'm of the firm belief that if you're going to bring these characters in, you need to make them real. You know, they they need to to be a person and not just a box that you're marking off. Okay. I got this character there and I'm not saying that the Fox is like that in any, any way whatsoever. But when these characters run into people for the first time, to me, I would feel like in those type of real world situations, you're going to have an opportunity where someone's going to get misgendered or the opportunity for that character to say, this is how I would like, um, which Fox did do with Ronan with the, you know, you can call me traveler spot, but as you're reading it and they, and they go from like a one character, that's a, she or a, he, and then you get to a them, 
there are times where my brain doesn't recognize that this them is Fox and not Ronan and the pilot, you know? And so I think that there were times that I was reading that like my brain didn't quite track right. Uh, that like I was thinking it was talking about two characters and not the one character. So like maybe that might've been an issue for some people when it comes to this character. I, I know that that's something in general when it comes to non-binary and gender fluid characters that I'm having trouble with in general. Like when a character is, either of those. How do I know if it's non-binary or gender fluid until the character tells me what they prefer? I'm just guessing. And for me, the idea that these characters that have never met that specific character just automatically know to use those pronouns that in the real world will always stop and make me just kind of like, ah, give them some depth, man, make them correct them, explain it. Like to me, I've never had anybody come up to me and just know my name is Mark. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I've got to explain my name. Like to me, that's like an aspect of the realness of these characters that if I was somebody, you know, gender fluid or, or non-binary, I'd want to have that representation. I wouldn't want to explain my life. Like if I have, to, you know, you're going to have to explain how you use these pronouns all the time. Like a character is going to have to do the same thing. So that's one thing I would like to see in these type of characters. They're, they're being used a lot more. And that's definitely an interaction that I would like to see. Like, you know, the first time if someone meets them, that they're correcting them. I mean, it, and maybe you can get into the character more. I'm getting really pissed off. Like, they have it all the time. Or they, they don't care because they know that people don't get it or something. Like, it's a really cool opportunity for the narrative to really push that. And I feel like a lot of times authors don't really go into those type of characters as deep as they could. Um, and I, I definitely think it would make them a lot more broader overall as characters and not just the complaint that you see randomly of oh it's just a character marking off a check in the box and i don't think that's the case here um but it's definitely one of those things where i i see room for improvement when it comes to those characters i think the traveler is interesting because this is by far and away the most main character non-binary character that we've ever had like we've had um daniel jose older had a non-binary character who was kind of like a a second or third tier character in his in uh, his works. Um, we had the Chuck Wendig in Aftermath trilogy, who had a non-binary character who was barely in like one, maybe two chapters in the entire trilogy. And so, mm -hmm. like this is the the Traveler is maybe even a higher uh, level of main character than even Ronan is, uh, because the Traveler is there even when Ronan is not, and so. I really liked the Traveler. I can see your um, your problems with perhaps the 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 pluralosity of they and them, but I also saw it when we first are introduced to the Traveler. Traveler has a mask on. We cannot and robes like we cannot see who this person is at all, um, and they have the mask mm -hmm. on the whole time. So I could see they that even you have no way of telling what gender if there is any gender there. But you also got to think in the Star Wars sense, you're dealing with countless civilizations, countless cultures, countless biologies. Not everyone is uh, him and her. We have we have species on right. Earth that are three uh, genders like it, it's not a um, even outside of like humanity's gender fluidity. We have like some species where there is a third gender um, markedly different than the male-female that we are typically accustomed to. So why can't on other planets evolve some, some such uh, similar things? So 
And that makes 100% sense. And I, when I get those characters, I was always thinking like, man, if they made this an alien, it would make more sense to me, which the Fox being an alien worked. I, I think when it comes to human characters that do that, that's, I think when I would really like to see them actually correct another human, be like, Hey bro, like, well, that's my, <laughs> this isn't yeah, what you that's think. That's my only problem with the traveler or Fox. If you want to, if you want to go with Fox, that's my only problem and that every time we have had a non-binary character, I believe every time, I'm not sure about the um, species of the, the the characters in the High Republic, um, Tarek, and I forget the other uh, character's name, um, but they've... Om- yeah, the Jedi Master on the Council. Yeah, they've... Om- the, the comic, it's hard to say if it's human or like uh, human. A, a fox-like yeah. species. And my yeah. only problem is that they they're not human. And so you, it's like, it, like for people who are non-binary, you have this character that is like kind of, uh, uh, you see yourself in the character sort of thing. And then you go around and tell them like, yeah, but it's not human. It's like, it, right, it's like right. kind of a kick in the gut almost. It's like you have your character and then you get it taken away. And, and so like, <laughs> I would prefer if we had, um, uh, which I'm sure we are going to get more non-binary characters. I would like them to be human because that way, like, you're emphatically stating, like, no, you don't need to be an alien in this universe to be non-binary. Right, right. It, it's hard to say what exactly the full story was from Ronan's perspective. Like, Ronan was kind of discovering things as he went. One of the things I do like about Fox is, as Fox's story goes on, you realize Fox is a much bigger player than you would think. Um, I was actually surprised by how interconnected with so much of the story Fox ended up being. So, like you said, Fox was definitely a main character in this, but never marketed as such. Um, I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, from what you were saying, like um, with the Jedi and the Sith in this book, kind of tying into Fox without getting into spoilers, the Jedi and the Sith are remarkably different than what we know, at least like perhaps not the Sith because we don't know much about the Sith generally other than they're the evil bad guys in the movies. But like you can see them, they, they build their power around emotion and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It really depends on how you handle your emotions. Whereas the Jedi in this book are from my perspective, unequivocally terrible people. Like they, right, they right. are not the good guys that we would make out as the Jedi. And I could see your um, two party political uh, analogy here because you're right. They are just basically two aspects of the same thing that are fighting each other um, where wars get started because they view the force in two different ways. And really the Jedi in this story are much more align have allegiances to family lines than say more noblistic lines and so as opposed to like Mm -hmm. in the the movies they're aligned with the republic but theoretically they still have those noble intentions here they are not noble at all i believe i feel i feel like here they are mainly just following whatever their family tells them to do (laughs) pretty much yeah you're like huh Interesting. I I found the second half of the book became more along the lines of watching the Mortis episodes or reading Crucible. Like 
things happen in such a nebulous way that like I was like, wait, what is going on? Like there's this whole story arc of the big battle between the Jedi and the Sith on the planet Renzu, I think is how you say it. And what ends up happening to that planet and where it goes and everything that's around that and surrounding that part of the story, I, I don't know. Maybe I, I, I was going so fast I missed some details. I, I felt like it was just presented as this is what's going on, but no whys or hows. Like, and again, that was that was definitely like the biggest crux of my issue with the story was I really wanted more details as to why things were the way they were or what happened to cause the things to happen. And we didn't get that. So, I mean, like, I I don't want to beat a dead horse, but definitely that with a lot of aspects of the story, that's where my, like, I didn't like it, uh, came from was just, I I wanted more depth. I was definitely interested, um, wanted to know more, but the concept of the big battle between the Jedi and the Sith happening in the capital planet just disappeared. Like, I'm like, what? Like, oh, come on. Give me more detail. Was it a, a Sith spell? Was it something like Bane did when he wiped out all the Sith? Like, come on. I want to know more. And I, I don't know. Maybe that's a good thing. Because when the, when the book's over, I definitely wanted more. Um, but I, I looked at it as the aspect of I don't think we're going to get more of the novels. So wanting more, I was like, oh, man. like that's, I, I felt let down by that instead of feeling like, you know, there's an opportunity for more stories to come later. It's definitely nebulous you're right and it's um it's one of those that you can't read through it quickly because you're going to miss so much and but you also need to go back and reread it knowing what you know at the end will help to um kind of guide your thoughts during the beginning and so i'm wondering if like uh i rarely ever go back and reread stories so this is not going to happen to me um but i know like other people like going back and kind of <laughs> rereading it knowing the, the the spoilers at the end will help to kind of guide the story a little better knowing what's going to happen yeah i could see that i could see that all right so jim anything else spoiler free you want to touch on before we get into the deeper uh, intricacies of the story not that I'm aware of, um, but yeah, it's just, uh, I would say melodical is the word I was looking for before. The, the text is very melodical that it's, um, it, it's really a joy to listen to. And so, uh, I, we haven't talked about the audiobook. The audiobook, it's narrated by Joel, Joel De La Fuente. Um, I, I had looked him up mm. because it, it sounds, um, he, when you listen to him, he has a, a, a peculiar accent and being mostly deaf, I can never tell what, where accents are from. I thought he was French. Um, clearly not French. <laughs> he is of Asian heritage and I believe he's from the Philippines, um, off the top of my head. Okay. And so, but he reads it like if I was sitting around a campfire and he was grandpa telling a story. And that is kind of how it works so well for this story because the way it's written and that you are just sitting there kind of with your eyes closed listening to Grandpa um, spin this yarn uh, of a tale. And so that's how I I feel like in audiobook form it actually works really well. That sounds really cool because now that you put it like that, this story would actually really well convey itself to somebody sitting around a campfire listening and not getting those details and then spending all night sitting in your sleeping bag going, you know, putting the two to two together and doing the math. 
yeah, okay. Like, I, I may have to go out and get the audiobook just to listen to it like that because I was definitely curious as to how the audiobook plays it. Because um, there were a lot of cool details. Like, when you watch the episode and stuff, you know, you see the art for what it is. But, like, I didn't realize that Ronan had a... Uh, a whole mask on. Like I, I thought he had some weird stylized beard. <laughs> I'm like the, the more I, I learned about the character, I would notice though, that there were some similarities to like Malik's story and stuff. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool too. The little similarities to other stories that came and I don't know if they were ever intentional or if it was just something that I was picking up on. So I thought that was kind of cool. Not sure. I was going to say something else, but I forgot what it was. Aha. Yeah, the only other thing I, I think, uh, aside from characters, the other character that wasn't one would be Kyber itself. Um, the nature of the Kyber crystal, I would say, doesn't change anything from canon. But the attributes that people and the characters in the story applied to it made it seem that way. Um, they talk about the Kybers. Okay, I'm I'm glad you caught that because other people said that this is a lot different than canon, but it's not. It, right. It's exactly what you said. It's the attributes that the characters placed on the Kyber, not the Kyber itself. Right, and that, and that was kind of like as it got to the last half of the book where I started to feel like it was crucible because like the, the definitions of what was going on with the Kyber and then the Kyber started doing things and I'm like, wait, what's going on now? Like, I, I definitely, I think that that's one of the biggest issues that I really, like, you could not tell me a lot of other stuff about things, but that aspect about, like, how the Kyber, the ghosts, and then the demons, like, those three aspects of the story, I really wanted and needed more details on for better understanding. <laughs> I was like, because the Kybers were presented at times like, you know, these crystals need to be brought back to a sacred place to be put to rest. And when they were talking about it, they were talking about them being ghosts. And, you know, I, I started to put in a, a literal ghost attribute, like these were souls of people that had fallen. But, like, it's not quite presented that way, but worded it enough that you could kind of get that assumption. But it's never blatantly said. And so... I feel like when it comes to the Kyber crystals, it was definitely a muddier water from what we knew in canon. But like, like you were mentioned, it's not necessarily contradictory. It's just a little bit different from the perception and, and what we're told by it's the It's kind of like, say your grandma wears a cross necklace and she has worn it every day. She doesn't go anywhere without it. She loves it absolutely to death and that she will always, she treasures that necklace and then she passes away and how you treat that necklace is kind of how you would treat like your grandma's prized possession. And that's kind of like how the Kyber crystals kind of are treated is that they are these people's prized possessions mm -hmm. and they are no longer around. So they're, you treat the, the Kyber as if they would treat the, like they are in there themselves. Um, I will say, I felt like there was at least two, kind of big reveals that came along um and both of them right before it happened i kind of was like oh and, and dawned in i did get misled once or twice thinking other characters might have been more than they were uh so kudos to emma on that um you know she definitely had me guessing all the way through the book uh i thought that was cool uh but yeah, I, I, I think for me, when it comes down to is I, I'm just, I'm stuck on that aspect of, I want to know more. Um, 
I, I wasn't satisfied in that regard. <laughs> you know, I wanted more. I, I don't know. Maybe that is a good thing. I, I don't know. I, I definitely, I leaned more on the negative Nilly side when I got to it. Cause like, I really, I really was expecting some answers for certain things, but it, it, and again, it wasn't the story of the Kyber crystal. I mean, even though the Kyber crystal was a major plot driving point, uh, it was more Ronan's story than anyone else's. And Fox, the way Fox plays into it and is such a heavy hand that we don't realize at the beginning, but we we do get answers there. Uh, but that wasn't what I was... I was never expecting more answers on Fox. I wasn't begging for more answers for Fox, but I got more answers for Fox. So kudos You on basically that. got all the answers on Fox. Like right. Fox uh, went from a um, almost non-character out of nowhere, like the Ronin happens to stumble upon to the most important character or one of the most important characters of the book. And we know their entire backstory. Right. And without giving away too much, like I thought at one point Fox was a different character. And I was like, and then when, right before we found out who the actual one was, I did figure it out. But I, for a while there, I was like, it's Fox. It's gotta be Fox. When we, when we did find out what Fox was and how he tied to things, I was like, Oh, Okay, that's kind of cool. Like, like we actually got a name for. I don't think we ever got a name for Ronan. No. I mean, like, we got other descriptions. Like, he was grim, um, and I actually I, I started to call him grim more than Ronan. Um, but yeah, like there, there, and there were some characters that you know they you thought you knew them, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh crap, like that. And and you get a little bit of details about him, but yeah, across the board for me, I just, I wanted more. Um, and I don't know if that's a bad thing or a good thing. Like if you're one of those that, that when you read a story, you want it to leave you questioning and stuff, this would be right up your alley. Um, but I feel like I'm one of those, like I want to have, you know, clearly defined things. So for me, the wanting more wasn't quite as good a thing. <laughs> Yeah, the um the name thing actually comes up as one of the main um themes of the story where names are talked about a ton where the Ronin, the Ronin is actually like how um he is referred. We never get a name for him. We get several titles for him and uh nicknames, but never a name. Um the Bandit, who is in the um, cartoon, gets several nicknames, and we do actually get a name for her. The Traveler, we get a name for, um, where the name is introduced in the most um, asshole-ish way possible. Uh, (laughs) And it's, yeah, like um, one of the the, the Sith Witch, um, who uh, gets talked about a lot and that we never get a name for. Right, and so names, and they talk about how how names are important, and, na- and names play a, a um, big role in how you interact with people. And the whole Sith side of things, like you know, you're presented with nebulous details about how the Sith rose up, how the conflict happened, and then all of a sudden, like in a big vacuum, it all collapsed, and. We never, I mean, like we get some details about the structure of the leadership of the Sith and what caused that, but outside of that, we get nothing else. And I mean, yeah, I, I just keep coming back to man, I really want to know more. Like Emma did a good job of presenting a world that was similar to what we knew, but different enough that I was drawn right in. I wanted to know the differences of things. Um, 
and I and I guess that that's one of those issues of when it's not specifically set in its own universe and it's not specifically set in canon that nebulousness works to a degree because you could say, well, you know, it, it, it's because it is canon. Cause you know, some people would flat out say, no, this won't work with what's presented in canon. But I think Jim, I, I think that you could say that, yeah, I know it does. It's, it's presented nebulous just enough that nothing really conflicts too badly with what we get. Um, I would say the biggest concept changes would be the Jedi and the Sith and how they're structured. That would be the biggest difference from canon uh, as a whole. Um, I really I liked the way the lightsabers presented. I liked all the gadgetry that the episodes of Visions the show brought, not just the duel. The duel gave us the uh, little umbrella attachment at the end and stuff. Uh, there were some really cool aspects about how Ronan's saber was broken and, and that getting fixed along the way. Um, I really, I enjoyed those aspects and I thought it was kind of cool how like, you know, just building a lightsaber was something that was even rare because not everybody, not every Jedi built a lightsaber, you know, some of them would be handed the one that was the heirloom saber and stuff. So there were a lot of really cool aspects of the story that definitely drew me in. Um, so yeah, there's definitely a lot of positives here. If you're on the fence about checking this book out, you know, to take what me and Jim are saying and kind of weigh your heart on it and go from there, because I wouldn't say it was a story that you shouldn't read. Um, it's definitely one that I won't read a second time. I might listen to the audiobook just to get a little more clarity, but it's definitely worth checking out at least once to see what it's about and kind of getting some concepts and ideas that are outside the wheelhouse of regular Star Wars. Um, there were a lot of cool concepts involved in the story that I definitely enjoyed. Yeah, I agree. Um, like it, it, it's really a hit or miss type of book. There, there are not going to be many people who are down the middle uh, of the road going, meh, it was okay. You're going to get people who loved it or people who hated it. And that is just because of the type of way that it is written. Um, and a hundred percent because of that, because it, it's not what you would expect of a typical star Wars story. Right, which makes it hard to say how accessible it was because I, I want to say it was very accessible because it kind of just throws you in and because it never gives you a lot of the details, like, you know, you're not missing anything more or less than someone like Jim or I who's read every single Star Wars book out there. <laughs> like, yeah, this could be your first book and you're going to get the same experience. You didn't even need to watch the Visions episode because, the like you said, the first two chapters recreate the Visions, Visions uh, episode and so you don't even need to watch that really i think if you watched it i think you're even more confused when you're like wait the character didn't die and and that aspect like the way certain characters well, they called that out specifically in the book really well and and the way that they did it i mean i was i really want to know more about that force ability if it was a force ability i'm assuming it's a force ability it could have been tied to the planet where that effect originally happened like I, that was something that i thought was really cool like when we got to the planet and we learn more about how the witch was using demons and stuff. We did get a little bit on that and that was pretty damn cool. I thought that was pretty awesome. Like the, the character, like, and I don't know if it was the character's innate ability or if it was the character being on that planet that allowed them to do it, but it was almost like they reached into the force and they were able to use the kyber crystals around the galaxy as little windows to look through, to see what was going on. 
and then exert their control on things through those windows. And I was like, it, it almost had a world between worlds kind of effect to it that I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah, I feel like of everything in the story, the mirror got the shortest shift. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that And the fact that it was Kyber brought me back to the aspect of I really wanted to know more about Kyber. Because, like, the mirror was presented in a way that it was acting a lot different than any Kyber that we had throughout the story. Um, and it was presented differently in the aspect that it wasn't like a Kyber crystal. It was a Kyber mirror. So maybe that's something completely different than a Kyber crystal. Maybe it's some kind of, you know, like they don't give you any details. And yet this mirror seemed to do a lot of stuff that I would never have expected any kind of Kyber to do. So I was like, okay, I'm lost. And that, and that honestly, I think that's where I got the most lost was once we finally got there and I, answers started coming forward, but they were all so nebulous or maybe I was just reading it fast, trying to get through the book at that point that I was missing something because I was like more confused in the end of the book than I was at any other point. Oh, that's the, like I said, it's, this is the book you cannot like blaze through, but that even being said, the end did not provide many answers (laughs) to, to questions that may have come up. And it probably even made more questions than answers when you get to the big reveal. Right. And you go, right. Right. Wait, what? (laughs) We've analyzed their attack, sir, and there are spoilers. Should I have your ship standing by? Evacuate? In our moment of triumph? I think you overestimate their chances. Well, consider that your spoiler warning, Beyonders and Sentients of All Ages, because here we go on another adventure... Beyond the films. Man, there is so much to unpack here. I mean, you know, we've just the spoiler free part. We've gone almost 40 minutes. Like there, there was a lot in this book. That's that's um, I, we talked about this on my other podcast as well. And we had made the comment that um, we would we would mention spoilers. We had gone almost the entire episode and not mentioned any spoilers <laughs> because there's so much about just the general book itself that we don't need to talk spoilers like the jedi the 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 placement of the jedi and the sith in the book that's not any spoiler that's just kind of the way the book is and like the way the book's written and all that stuff and the characters kind of generals about the characters like there's so much to unpack without doing any spoilers that it's one of the like this is a very um nebulous book in Mm -hmm. general in our our typical Star Wars uh, um, right. storytelling, right? I, I man, there's so much going on. Like, so I like the fact that we started out with the episode. Like, I thought, you know, I, I was able to really envision the characters get back into it and stuff. Uh, I like there was a lot of aspects that reminded me of like the Dathomir witches and stuff. I like the Sith army and the way it was presented and stuff, and the Dark Lord. I honestly thought Fox was the Dark Lord. You know, that's that's the one where I, I oh, yeah, that's I was where you got, totally uh, confused. Totally. I, I didn't know if you were thinking Fox was yeah, the Sith Well, Lynch. and at one point I was starting to think that too. Like I, I, I mean, the more we started to learn about Fox, the more I really started to eyeball that character. The things that Fox was saying to Ronan started to become more suspect. Suddenly cheating at the board game became very like, oh, dude, I don't know if I trust this character. Like, and... I got a kick out of that. Like, I did not know which way that character was going to land. 
And the other character that was like that was Auntie. Uh, Chi or Chai, however you say her name. I did not expect Chia. that betrayal that she did on the the one planet that they were doing. She grabbed Fox. Hated like, Chia. What? Hated her. I, that character was like... <laughs> Presented as like a non-force user and yet seemed to be using the force. Like, I'm like, is this Cher Emery? What is going on here? <laughs> yeah, the, um, I, I hated Chia a lot. The, uh, the pilot, um, Akia, I think is how they, the, like the story of Chia and Akia, um, sound enough alike that it was, it, it was sometimes confusing, but it, generally it was pretty easy to tell who was who. And I liked Akia um, generally much. I think the most interesting character that kind of got that we weren't expecting was uh, the Sith Bandit, uh, Koru. Yeah, uh, that was interesting. And like, w- yeah, what you're saying is watching the watching the the short the well, I forget the name of it. The duel, <laughs> the duel. Yeah, watching the duel. And then reading the story, I read. I I had watched the duel when it first came out uh, on the day it came out, and then I started Ronin probably a month and a half later, uh, early November, and so I didn't remember the duel specifically of what had happened, but I'm like, I don't remember voices in Ronin's head. Um, I'm almost positive that Sith Bandit doesn't come back and, and like and, and then i rewatched it and i'm like oh yeah definitely like we don't like all the voices inside of the ronin's head are completely um part of the book mm-hmm. not in the story whatsoever which is a huge plot line in the story right and uh yeah and koru like who we think is done and over with um eventually teams up with ronin uh despite neither of them liking that that was done in a way that worked. Like it was. It, yes, I, I stop and like as I'm middle to the book, I'm still like, how in the hell did she end up? T-? Like it happened so quick and so smoothly that I didn't even question it. And then when Ronan showed back up, I'm like, wait, wait a minute, why did she? But it, it worked. Like <laughs> it was it, like it Kaya was even... telling her to, you know, it was it was kind of like the pilot pulled her in in a way that was believable. It wasn't even, I would say, quick. It was just so smooth that it made sense. Like they were, st- like she was still trying to kill him when they were both together, but they needed to work together because they determined that the Sith Witch was the larger threat. Especially since we find out that the Sith Witch is talking to both of them mm-hmm. in in their heads, and then we find out the Sith Witch is also talking to the Traveler in their head. <laughs> that was when I was like, okay, did all these characters die? Like I. Those were the details that I was really curious about because, like, Koru dies, she comes back as a demon, the witch controls her, and yet somehow she's able to get back her independence and do her own thing, whereas other characters that have died and come back are 100% puppets to the witch. I'm like, how is she able to... Like, even at the end of the story, Koru should be dead, but is allowed to live as an un... Like, and I'm like, how? I want to know more about that. Like, (laughs) what the hell is going on? Yeah, from what I gathered from the story, you're right. Koru was a um, brought back from the dead by what we're thought is the Sith Witch. Um, and we're led to assume she's just a puppet. I don't think she's a puppet. I think once she got brought back, she can be her own person. But the Sith Witch is just like kind of talking to her 
and she talks to everybody else and kind of influences their action. I think once they come back, they are alive and good and healed. Well, it was it was Hanra that really got me because which is yeah, it's 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 weird. I, I don't know. Maybe there wasn't enough about Hanra's character that presented it but i i felt like as soon as he was taken over he was just a total puppet but maybe he wasn't i mean maybe that was how the character was but yeah that was definitely one aspect between that the ghost slash kyber crystals and the planet itself and the witch and how the witch became the like there were a lot of like this is just how it is and just accept it for what it is and i can do that to a degree but i definitely want to know more like especially when it comes to force stuff i've always dug force philosophy and force traditions force practices uses of the force so when you get new takes on stuff i would love to get into the character's head on how they're using the force and one of the things that i thought was really interesting was that the force wasn't a light and a dark side it was like the black current and the white flare and yet each one was almost opposite like i think the white current was more the darker aspects than the black or the black yeah it was really confusing and they never really explained it i was like oh i think they both used the black current and i think the white flare were specific points or actions within the black current because it definitely seemed like fox was using the eviler one more often than not because everyone was like oh he's using that to do that he's he's getting everyone to look the other way (laughs) i'm like hmm there's something here (laughs) Yeah, that's um. So, do we ever find out what happens to the Sith witch? I think Ronan had said that he thought he killed her, and that all of a sudden she's back, and that's a we know she's back. Um, eventually we find out that she's not back, and I think like did Ronan actually kill her I, when he thought I he killed her? I don't know. It I I if they did, I missed it. Um. What I came to the conclusion of was he had wiped out all the Sith and then she caused the planet to disappear. And somehow when she did that, she became the planet to save the planet. Okay, I didn't get that at all. <laughs> I Yeah, I was like, I was so, and that's, by that point, that's when I was like, God, this is like Crucible. And once I put that in my mind... I think that's where I started to lean towards negative because I really did not like Crucible. By the time Crucible was over, I was like, this is way too confusing. And the last half of the book had me a lot confused. I, I had no idea what was going on with certain things. Like, And I, I, I don't know if at that point it was because I was going so fast through the book in short bursts and maybe I missed something. Um, and that was also when I started rereading things. Cause like when they did the big reveal of who the dark Lord was and the pilot does the, um, wait, what? And, and that's, that was literally your big key in on the moment. I'm like, what the, so irritated with that. But I mean, it was kind of cool. It was a drop it and you'll miss it moment, but I think it would have worked more in a, in a movie live action sense than in the book. Like in the book, I think a lot of people would have just missed that entirely if it hadn't been for the fact that she's like, the pilot's like, well, you deserve it. And you're like, wait, why does he deserve it? And then you go back, you're like, oh. And then in the next chapter, they're like, yeah, this character is the Dark Lord. And you're like, okay, okay. that Wow, that was a that was a blink and you miss it reveal yeah, if ever I had one. The fact that the Ronin is basically the most evil person in the galaxy. And... Um, they're trying to they're working with him to destroy the Sith witch um, who we feel is probably the most evil person left 
And like I said, the Sith Witch is supposedly gone. We don't really know what happened, but we find out that the voices in everybody's head, the one who keeps bringing back dead people, is not the Sith Witch. Um, but here's the main big spoiler. This is the very end of the book, and it really would um, not not cloud your judgment, but kind of like alter the way you see the rest of the book, is that it turns out that this is Ronin and the Sith Witch's kid. Mm-hmm. Um, who's been controlling everything. And and it's kind of like a, uh, one of those serial killer kids, like, like (laughs) locked inside a room, um, never allowed to leave. Like, but she's got the internet so she can reach out and affect the world. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Like it is like literally like they locked her in a room with this mirror that apparently we still, I still don't understand the mirror, but we know that we have a shard of the mirror and that is the key to getting to where this planet that disappeared was. And so that is most of the story is trying to find this shard of a mirror. Mm -hmm. I, I gathered at the very end that the mirror was still broken and that over time, the daughter put it back together and once she put it together, that was when she was able to reach out through the mirror and start affecting people and creating the demons. And once she did that, that was when the galaxy was like, oh, the Sith witch isn't dead. And it was Fox especially who was like, you know, this witch is a problem. We got to do something. But I was misinterpreting why Fox was doing what Fox was doing. I thought Fox was the witch. I was like, Fox is the one, man. Fox is the one. Fox knows she's around. Like, and the more as they were presenting that Fox had a bigger hand in things, that's where my brain was clicking. I was like, Fox is the one. I started eyeballing Fox. Like, I don't trust you. (laughs) And I thought it was cool that, you know, like we actually got a name for Fox. We found out Fox was a, uh, an heir um, and didn't want anything to do with it, which, which again, pushed me on that aspect of not thinking that Fox could be trusted. I was like, you know, maybe Fox was a Sith. Fox really doesn't like the Jedi. Like, you know, there's a lot to unpack here. And when they had that moment on the planet where they went back to get the crystal shard, that's when things started to shift up for me. And I was like, wait, what is going on? Because that's when Auntie grabbed Fox and, and started working for Han Ryan. I'm like, what is going on? And then they get to Hanra's Star Destroyer. And when Ronan tears it apart, like, I didn't realize that that was the big clue to everybody that he was the Dark Lord because he had already done the same thing on the Crow. And I just assumed it was a tie to that. And then he makes, like, some little quick comment about a use of the Force, like, not being enough. Like, I've got to find that here in a second and read it because it was such a blink-and-you-miss-it moment that, like... I didn't even realize what was cluing us into that until it was like dropped in our lap. And I'm like, I started to suspect that the, that Ronan might have been the Dark Lord. In a lot of ways, the Ronan was Revan. Um, and and mm-hmm. I, I got a kick out of those similarities. I, I definitely thought that was cool. And you almost got the feeling like the, the witch was Malik, only as you learn more, you're like, Malik's not bad. Like, Wait, what's going on? Is it Malik or is it Bastila? And like, I, I, I would love to get an interview with Emma to find out what kind of elements she was picking when she was going forward, what kind of story she was trying to tell, you know, because like the way it was presented is in such a way that I'm questioning so much stuff that it's really hard for me to place 
a good tapestry up in my mind and be like, this is solid lines that she intended for me to see, you know, like it was, it was done in such a nebulous way that I'm really curious as to how much of the stuff was like, I'm going to write this in a way that makes you think it's this character. Like, did she, or, or is that just my mind? <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. very curious how much of this was, was, uh, you know, a work of art done by her where she specifically did that to get you to think of these things, because there are parts of the books that definitely feel like they were written in a way to throw you off purposely. Yeah. The dark Lord reveal was one of those, like, I think same as you is like, Wait, did they just say? Well, I'll, I'll. You have to keep listening since I was doing the audiobook. Got to keep listening, try to figure it out, and like kind of comes out a little bit later. Like, yeah, for certain that he is the Ronan is the Dark Lord, and you find out that the whole, um, his whole journey. Like, we don't. I don't remember why he turned on the Sith, but basically, he's the one who set up the entire Sith rebellion with the Sith Witch. Um, basically like had all these Sith under him and then turns around and goes and starts tracking down and killing all of the Sith that were um, there. And so he is the one who started the rebellion and really the one who ended the rebellion um, by going and uh, systematically eliminating all the Sith. And that's really why we come back down to the Sith, Witch is that she's the only one left um, that really matters. Cause after the bandit, he uh, can't find anyone to hunt down. And even the Sith Witch was helping him to hunt down the other Sith. Or I guess not the Sith Witch, the uh, the voice in his head who is his daughter. Right. And that, I mean, and that finding out that that's who it was, that was like very, very end. Let's see. Cornuscoff. Uh, Nothing's worse than princes. Jedi, suggested the Ronin. Sith, said Auntie. Stop it, Akaya barked. None of you helped. The traveler winched. Akaya, no, shut up. You're the worst one. Akaya stood, hands pressed down hard on the console, refusing to look at him. Damn it, this is why we had to talk. You've had us hunting the witch ever since we met. Not that you ever said a word about how we knew she was around to be hunted. I figured whatever, you're a Jedi or something. Have to be. But you don't want to talk about it because you don't like Jedi any more than we do? Fine. Erica's hands curled into fists. But you never said anything about the Jedi Lord breathing down your neck. Never warned us. Not a word. No wonder Chi threw in with him the second he offended her a gram of truth. Not that I'm letting you off the hook, Auntie. I'm just saying I get it. She finally turned, only to gesture at the Ronin. And after you picked up the happy murder Dark Lord himself, offense attended Grim, offense warranted, he agreed. I'm like, wait, what? Like, it... I believe it was actually mentioned before that that they figured out he was the Dark Lord, but I don't remember when. Yeah, no, it was it was the page before uh, they were talking, and she goes, "Let's see, Chi, what do you imagine happened to the galaxy once Jedi started killing one another in earnest? When the witch has her pick of their ghosts, Chi reached over to touch the traveler's knee more gently than they." Uh, seemed to expect. For his part, the Ronin tensed in his seat, yet unwilling to trust her intent. But Chai spoke gently as well. I understand your fear in Zuma. That's Fox's name. I feel it too. But in all my life, I've never heard of a war stopped by a single action, no matter how large. And this is our reveal right here. No, said the Ronin. Every eye turned to him, and he returned to the puzzle box. It was a brazen thing to remind them of what he had done to stop the last war. It was, from a certain point of view, ironic that he had started the next one in much the same way. 
I suppose we shouldn't be surprised if the Dark Lord still thinks in such simplistic terms, said she. Don't flatter him with a title, Koru snapped. He's no lord of mind. He's what? Ikaya said, sounding flat. And I'm that was the spot I had to go back over because I'm like, what? And then a page later, the pilot's all like, you brought the happy-go-learner Dark Lord himself on. I'm like, oh, what? that was the review. And it was so quick. So well, that's what I said, I think even before that, it was teased that when we found out he was the Dark Lord, like that's when um, the the pilot Akaya found out. But I think we as readers found out a little bit before that. Oh, but I don't I, remember. Specific. Now I'm gonna have to go hunting because yeah, that that was my clue in, and I was like, I was I was the pilot. Oh, wait, what? <laughs> and I, think I remember that may have been that may have been when it was laid out plainly, but I think it was right. like uh, like. Uh, kind of hinted at or like heavily uh, hinted at that we they knew or somebody knew at that point. And you're probably um, right because I, I was when I got to that moment, I was so irritated. I'm like, what did I miss? <laughs> uh, who? What was the Jedi's name again? Hong, Hongu? Hanra, 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 Hanra. Yeah, that's it. Hanra. He hated him so much. Um, that and like when he dropped the traveler's name, like tra- the traveler's clearly not telling anybody their name. And all of a sudden he like drops their names. Like, Oh, you didn't know their name was this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what, what did you just do? It's like, like literally against all so- societal norms, like kind of like dead name to the character. Right. As, uh, I was like, Oh, you're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no yeah dead naming is yeah that's pretty much it in a nutshell i mean yeah, yeah and and i think like that's the thing about fox's character is he's such a main character and purposely left vague and nebulous uh in a way that you were guessing almost all the way through um but they are trying to be vague and nebulous. it's like it's not that they are vague and nebulous to the reader it's they are vague and nebulous to all of the other characters including themselves for part of it, because as we find out later, they helped raise this kid, but don't remember any of it. Right. And there was a point where I'm like, did the traveler die and get brought back to life? Cause like there were definitely aspects where Koru was looking at traveler and thinking like, he don't even know. And I'm like, wait, did he die? Like, and that's when I was like, maybe he's the witch. <laughs> It is entirely possible. I don't remember if they said it flat out, but the Traveler may have died and been brought back similar to the way the other characters were. Like, clearly, at the end of the book, the Traveler was killed. Yeah, and and I remember, I wrote this down in my notes as (laughs) as Fox tells us their truth. Um, The Traveler's mouth opened, closed. When they smiled, he feared he had lost. But at last they spoke, and their confession chilled. Well, trouble is, I don't recall. What I do remember, oh, you know, the important things, my favorite tea, how to pray, arithmetic, sort of, everything else, well, it comes and goes. The Kyber Shard, that's stayed with me. A sliver, winter sky, clear, but for where it was split down the middle by a hairline fracture that clouded its center. Lovely little thing. Entrusted me so that it would uh, guide the way to some dire Sith threat. That's where it gets a bit, oh, how shall I put it, imprecise. I remember the shard. I remember the need. I remember Riizu. I did try to kill her, the witch. I know I did. I feel it in my fingers and my chest because I failed. I faltered. I can't tell you why now. I had 
killed before, even when it hurt to. To wit, I didn't. So what next for the lacking Jedi? I don't know, but I didn't leave her. For years, I think. Can you imagine? I, I wonder if I knew the way out. I wonder if I ignored it. The things that stick, you see, well, they're sweet in part. Firelight is seen out the window of a courtyard, hung in a winter chill. A kind of desolation in the silence. Yet it broke now and again, and I was glad for the sound. Laughter, I think, or a song, some speck of hope buried under frost. The rest, though? Fear. My own, I think. Perhaps in part. An anger, pained and grieved, loss and sorrow, coalescing, clarifying. It hurt to be near. Still, I didn't leave. It makes me think I couldn't. How did I then... Oh, who knows? I'd like to think that it was something I did, that I found the key or decided it was time or that perhaps I asked to, but I don't expect that's the case. I remember a fight, drawing blood and bleeding, and I remember the world breaking until it changed and I was free. Maybe. I believe she thought me dead. I can't imagine why else she would release me. I was back in the world, but no longer of it. By which I mean I no longer fit into the hole that I left behind. I feared returning to that life because I had failed and because... No, there's nothing else I can say that I'm sure is the truth. And if it's the truth from what that you want from me, then you'll have to end it here. And that, to me, is, a, is how all the answers come up. Like, I don't know if what I read to you makes sense. But when I read it, it was really hard to make sense of it. And the only thing I could gather is he went there, he fought the Sith, and he clearly must have died because he don't remember much after that aside from he stayed on. And they. Yeah, they stayed on. And as we learn later, you know, they trained the daughter. Like, that's where I got really confused. But this was that moment of truth. And I wrote it down. And even rereading it, I'm still, like, having to kind of puzzle out the clues here. It's a freaking riddle. A lot of this story is a riddle. They talk in riddles. It's presented in riddles. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, you just, I feel like you kind of need to know that going in though. Cause I think if you're somebody that doesn't like riddles and you get a book filled with riddles, you may be pissed off. <laughs> oh, that's what I said. I said, this is not like any book we've gotten um, for mainly that reason. You are not going to get the answers you're looking for. You may get some of them. You're not going to get all of them. You're not going to find out the, uh, the ins and outs of everything. It's a, um, it's kind of a, a game where you're, you're reading along, you find out some of the history, you're missing some of the history. There's some blank parts that you kind of get fuzzily filled in. It's like a, a watercolor painting, um, of the, the, of the story as opposed to one of those like MC Escher line drawings. Like they're two <laughs> very different things. <laughs> so when Fox points out and gives us the shard to the Kyber mirror, it was, it was the Kyber crystal powering their lightsaber all along. I, I was kind of irritated. Cause I'm like, did he not, or did they not know the entire time that they had the shard? I, I like, think they did. I uh, actually you're right. I don't I think they didn't know, but at the time it seemed like they did know. Right. And I'm like uh that, that's the nebulous side of things. Like like 
I don't know if I missed things or if that was just how it was purposely done. And that's the thing I would say, if you're going to be reading this book, take your time with it. Because if you rush through and you miss something, you are going to be very confused because of how it's written so nebulously. Yeah. Uh, comparing this, I, I, I like to read the, the Dune books, all of them. Like there's like 20 something books, not even just by the original author. Um, well, I listen to them in audio form. And one of the things that they do in those books is they constantly repeat things. They mm-hmm. will repeat things all of the time because they're really long books, too. And so, like, in order to make sure that the author, the reader understands what's going on is that certain um, topics, certain histories, some, some things characters said or did will re- be repeated on and on and on, especially when you're on a different book. Like, past things will be repeated a lot. You don't get that here. It's a lot of you blink and you miss it sort of thing, but you don't necessarily need those answers. But if those are the answers you were looking for and you missed them, you probably won't be coming back to them anytime soon, if at all. Right. That's a Dune, uh, Dune books are written kind of like a Karen Travis series, because huh? Karen uh, did that a lot of re- rehashing things. Hmm, interesting. Interesting. I, yeah, there's definitely some cool aspects of this story. Uh, I liked when the Ronin tore the ship apart. <laughs> I was like, oh, dude, what is going on? Like, I didn't realize because uh, Hanrai at that time is trying to basically convert the Ronin to the Jedi side. He's like, you could train the next generations of Jedi however you want. Like, he's like, you, you can make them Sith. I really don't care. I want you on my team. Like, and I was like, wow, that's kind of, uh, again, getting back to, I wanted more details. I want to know more how about the Empire worked, uh, you know, how the Empire was, was, you know, was the Emperor himself force sensitive? Like, they don't give us any of that details. And I want to know so much more beyond just the story. Um, so I, I guess I that's a testament. I don't think we found out anything about the Emperor. I don't think, it, like, an Emperor was even mentioned. I don't remember any of those. The only time the Emperor was ever mentioned was the Emperor's sons. Like, and they, they made it sound like the Emperor might have died and that the sons, or, or the Emperor was dying and the sons were all about to go to war. And that was about all that they mentioned about them. And I was like, huh. The only other time we got any kind of a reference to him was when we got to Hanrai's character because he worked for the Empire still. But it was, again, presented in, in this nebulous way that you're kind of like, what is going on? Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, this is the type of story that I may actually go back to at some point. Um Especially if like and more in this series comes out, like if another if it, if this book's followed up by another one related, I can't see them actually continuing this storyline at all because I feel like uh, Emma kind of concluded the story. Um, but if they have another story kind of tied to this one, I can see going back to this. Right. I'm trying to find. There was a part at the end when they're talking about the Kyber Mirror. And I got the feeling from the way it was written that the Kyber mirror itself was sentient. And now I'm, I, I'm trying to find that spot, but man, well, that well, Kyber I, mirror had me so damn confused. Well, we know that the force is sentient, like the will of the force. And like, like we, through the clone wars, we've seen aspects of the force where the force has its own, its own agenda, essentially. Uh, so I can imagine that if the Kyber mirror is sentient, it's more of a manifestation of the force. 
Because mm-hmm. that's that was the big key moment for the Dark Lord. Uh, you know, so, so Renzu or, or however you say the planet was the basically it was Coruscant uh, in a sense. And the Sith came to the planet and was like, we're taking it from you. Um, him and the witch who were in love, they were the leaders. They went to the planet, they get to the mirror. He looks in the mirror and he sees something that makes him decide he needs to kill all the Sith. He needs to stop everything he did. And like, I, it, if I recall correctly, it was something along the lines of he was creating a galaxy that was going to have a lot more suffering in it. Like they don't really tell you what he saw. So that I thought was an interesting aspect of it. Um, And then as he's rebuilding it, like there was a big aspect of rebuilding the mirror. And once they rebuilt the mirror, the planet came back to the real world. Like that left me kind of feeling like the planet got pulled to like a, a world between worlds kind of a place. Like they never really explain where it went, but when they do finally get back there, like, you know, the, the planet's different. There's nothing living on the planet. All the robots and stuff are dying. Even the Ronin's droid starts to like lose its energy and stuff. And when you find the daughter, you find out that the daughter's mom was there with her, but like the only way to keep the planet alive was to become the planet. And then the mom stopped being the mom and started becoming more of the planet. And all the other Sith that were there that were taking care of the daughters all eventually died or disappeared. Like there was a lot going on in this other world place that the planet was at that was interesting. I mean, that that was definitely one of the things I would say about this book. It was very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, like you picked up a lot more than I, I even did. Um, there's a lot of. Uh, that I probably I, I missed through all of that. I didn't get anything about where the mom went and things like that. Yeah, and and it's there at the end when all that kind of came through when when they started talking about the daughter and stuff. There's a lot at the end because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> she's talking about the Sith lords that, or the Sith that were there with them. They pitied me. His daughter said she was amused and bitter compassionate as well a mix that even a monk would envy they pitied themselves and they abhorred our imprisonment the ronin inhaled slowly the sharp air in his chest what happened you asked so easily now she carried a bitterness for him too but she didn't hide the truth it's just yeah interesting i i i definitely i'm on the fence when it comes to if they should give us another book um if they do i would love to know more I, I, I don't I don't want to have another book that's as mysterious as this. I definitely want some answers. I want some world building. I feel like this one has hooked me. You know, I was I was definitely hooked right away. I wanted to know more. Um, the the world that she created is definitely one that I think you know would be fun to play in. Um, the way that the the sabers worked was cool. Yeah, I'd say a, a prequel where we get the Ronin's rise to power and stuff kind of leading up to maybe like when he turns, like kind of leave the gap of when he's like killing all the, the Sith, but like kind of go from the go from when Ronin's rise to power to the, the moment he decides to turn and I was in the story there. And you could even uh, have like three guy Jedi, right? And the witch, and have all three of them with a name, never call them the Ronin or anything, and make it where, you know, the reader thinks that, that 
the Ronin is one of those three, which of course it will end up being. And then we find out which one that is at the end of the story it would be a cool way to go about that too. I think that's, I, I think that would work. Um, so let's do some follow-up. I think we've kind of really, you know, pounded on uh, the, the story a lot here. You know, we, we mentioned, you know, it being canon adjacent and, and being nebulous. So let's just ask flat out, you know, could it be brought into canon? We asked, so should it be brought into canon? I would say, you know, if you're going to say flat out, yes, this is a canon story. I would say you're going to have to do it with the caveat that this story needs to be set like 25,000 years in the past or set somewhere in the past, maybe not so far back, but in a section of the galaxy that's far removed from what's going on. Um, kind of like how the, the Hapen section kind of thought they were their own galaxy kind of thing. Maybe something like that where these Jedi and Sith set up their own shop kind of thing and did their own thing. Um, but I couldn't see this being set any other time frame. It's got to be sometime in the past, something kind of disconnected to fit into what we have with canon. It's, it's similar and close. Um, but I feel like there are enough concepts on there that like, if a writer were to take certain concepts and put it not so far in the past and run with that concept in a way that's different to traditional concepts of like say kyber crystals or or force ghosts and stuff that that could become a problem so putting it more in the past it could be something where you could be like yeah those techniques were lost to time kind of thing and i i feel like that would not impact the overall star wars story in a way that continuity would be broke or you'd have a continuity error i would just like to point out that at the end of i believe our last podcast that we recorded, I said these exact same things, even pulling up the Happen Cluster as an example, and now Mark has gone and co-opted my example as if it was his. <laughs> and since he mentioned it first on the episode, I look like I'm the one copying him, whereas he <laughs> is the one who stole my ideas. <laughs> this is true. This is true. That is, I'm like that is listening this idea to it. Came I'm like, from. Did you overhear something I said? Oh, wait, this is a conversation we had. That's why all these ideas are. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is true. Yeah. So, like, I 100 percent agree. I, I feel like um, I 100 percent agree because it's my idea um, <laughs> that it should be set. I would. I, I don't even it doesn't even need to be twenty five thousand, but at least a few thousand to kind of separate it from the modern time to change the Jedi. Because like you look at today, like we go again back to the um, political parties, the Republican Party today is not the same Republican Party it was 30 years ago is not the same Republican Party it was 100 years ago it, mm -hmm. like all the parties change over time as the political leadership kind of changes and so I could see the same thing with the Jedi the Jedi are not going to be the same during the movie times as they are during the High Republic as they are several thousand years in the past things are going to change and I, not that I'm equating the Jedi to the Republican Party um, because I, that would be wrong <laughs> um and so yeah i can see this taking place a few thousand years and also like if you isolate it to its own sector of the galaxy galaxy is huge what is to say that this sector of the galaxy treats everyone the same as the rest of the galaxy does that the jedi didn't act differently in this sector versus the rest of the galaxy mm -hmm. and this this story feels like feudal Japan culture got transported to 
the Star Wars universe, and then it kind of grew up there. It kind of evolved there, and so you have this intertwining of Japanese culture and Star Wars culture um, kind of mixed together, and so you can have it as its own separate, like, it could be like a mini-empire. Like, they're calling it an empire. It doesn't mean it needs to be a galactic-wide empire. We have empires on this planet that don't take up the whole planet. Like, the... Mm-hmm. It, it, it's it can be just its own little mini thing where the Jedi are doing their own thing and the Sith are doing their own thing in this sector of the galaxy. And even um, uh, Matt Martin had said that it's not canon until it kind of gets brought into canon, meaning that nothing in these contradicts canon. But it doesn't influence canon either. It doesn't mm-hmm. play off a of canon. So it doesn't need to be a part of canon and so until something kind of pulls it in, it can just sit outside of canon because it's not actively involved in canon. I, I love the lead up to that because that goes into my next question is, you know, could it be adopted into Legends? And one of the first things I thought of, you know, when they when they said it's a, a Visions novel and Martin came out with his comment, his comment could easily be applied to anything Legends N-level canon which this could easily be classified as an N-11 Legends canon. Uh, N-level canon is a non-continuity canon. It was something that didn't fit into the overall story. It was its own little one-off thing. And like that, in Legends, it would stay that way until it was referenced into canon, which is exactly what Matt Martin's saying, which to me, like, I feel like they should have said this was a Legends book and flat out said this is an end canon Legends book and it will remain that way until elements of it get pulled into canon. To me, all the rules of canon that they have laid out over 40 plus years would all make sense. What they've done by calling it a Visions novel and making that same caveat, I feel like that blurs the waters. Like They're constantly like trying to not tell canon stories or tell canon stories without using the word canon. It's like the word canon is taboo. Like they're like the second it gets thrown out there, they've lost half their fans. Like, <laughs> like it's like they avoid that word at all costs. And to me, you could have easily just slapped a legends banner on this, made it in level canon. You'd have the same exact story, the same exact Matt Martin comments. And you would have at the same time given the fans of Legends something new to say yay and be excited about instead of being somewhat bitter like I was of we could have got a legend story if you were willing to spend money on hiring a writer to tell a story that didn't set in actual canon stuff. Instead of me being upset about the fact that you could have told a legend story, you could have put that on the banner. I could have got a legend story that didn't fit in the Legends continuity. Been happy about that, even though it didn't fit. Like I that was a big missed opportunity to give an olive branch to legends fans, in my opinion. Um, and I know the way I present it when it comes to my social media and stuff, a lot of people are like, Oh yeah, you just wants legends. And I do, but it's, it's one of those things of by what they've done with ending legends, the way they did, they've put a lot of legends fans on the outside where they feel like they're unwelcome to the table. If you want legend stuff, tough, You're not going to get it. We're going to focus on all this other stuff. And then they give us a story like this. It's like a middle finger to us because it's like, well, we could have told you a legend story. We could have gave you a Jane and Solo story, but we'd rather tell this one instead. And that hurts. (laughs) No, I can understand that. I I can like bringing this into legends. I can see it bring brought into legends. Same reason it could be brought into canon. It is its own thing. 
mm-hmm. and really doesn't connect to either universes. And even then, like we were talking Tales of the Jedi, Tales of the Jedi can be brought into canon too. Like it's all, right. um, they're set so far back that they don't need to be, you don't need to know whose kid is who. Like, wait, which one? When did they have time to have a kid? Because it's so, so far back, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, so with this next one, I man, I'm going to have a hard time with this one. What would you rate it? I'm going to go after you, Jim, because like, you know, coming into this, I would have probably given it a lower number than I'm going to. Um, but the more we've talked about it and stuff, like I, I've come I'm to realize very, I'm, I'm very persuasive. Well, you talk me off the ledge, which is always important. But I, I realize that a lot of the issues I'm having with the story are my own perceptions coming in. I came in with the perception that I was going to be getting answers. <laughs> I did not, and I'm pissed about that. So that's on me. So I'll wait till uh, you've given your review, and I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to weigh heavily on my mind while you uh, don't influence my decision at all. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm going to start with not giving you an answer. Um, because that's the way I like to do things. Uh, when we, I don't remember, have we discussed the second of the Thrawn Ascendancy books? I don't think we have. Okay, because like that, the greater good, when I was giving that book a review, because um, I, I review all the books that I read on, uh, of the Star Wars books on AAPT Comics, when I was reviewing that book, it was one of those that I read it, and I thought it was okay when I first finished it. And then I'm, as I'm writing the review, I'm realizing I really did not like that book. And, and like the more I thought about it, the more I disliked that book. Mm-hmm. Ronin is kind of the opposite of that. Where when I finished Ronin, I kind of felt like like you did. Like like this is like didn't this is just weird. This is like, things just didn't seem to work. And then the more I think about it, the more I get past it, as I was writing a review, I realized I'm like, wait, I actually kind of like this book. And then I got to the point where I'm like, no, I really like this book. I like the, it's different. I like what the author was trying to do. I like that. It's not business as usual. This is not a um, cookie cutter star Wars book. It is its own unique thing. And although, like, one of the downside comments I wrote was, the story does not always get to the point quickly. It is written with flowery language that meanders around, which some readers will probably not like. And I guarantee you 100%, a lot of readers will not like that. Um, but I gave it an 8.5 out of 10. because, And I still stand by that, because I, I think it is a fantastic book. The way it is written and what it's trying to do is absolutely great. Um, but you need to take into a, uh, account of what it's trying to do. You can't make this about a book that you didn't like because it wasn't the book you were expecting. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely the problem I'm having. Um, for me, I, I mean, I, I leaning towards a five, like that. I keep going that direction, but keeping in mind, you know, my own perceptions going in this, the characters were well-written. Uh, I was hooked. So I'm going to give it a six. I want to give it a good solid six. Uh, It's definitely unique. Uh, It's it's worth checking out if you're into stories that don't have to be connected to anything. Um, And if you're into philosophies and stuff, even though it doesn't give you answers, 
it will make you think of things in a new light. And I think that that's worth checking out. Um, it's definitely you know, a much more philosophically centered book. You're right. Right. And, and you know, like like I've said, I, back in the old forums and stuff, Force Philosophy was my jam. I've always enjoyed that. The concepts of the the white flare and the black current or white current and black flare. I can't remember. I always get those two backed up. Black but current, like, I, white flare. Yeah, I, I just thought it was really interesting. And, and that's definitely the thing. The book was interesting. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to give it a good solid six. Uh, I enjoyed it for what it was, uh, even though I was confused. And at the end, my biggest thing was I, I felt like by the time I got to the ending, I was very underwhelmed. Like, I, I really wanted more out of the ending. The ending kind of just wrapped up and things came out so quick, but so nebulously that it felt like it just, whoop, you're done. Uh, so that was my biggest complaint was just those aspects of it. Um, but again, that, that kind of came on me. If I, I went into this knowing these things, I would have probably been okay with it and enjoyed the book a hell of a lot more. Uh, Cover-wise, it was just a simple cover. We've got the Ronin. Uh, you know, he's sitting there doing like some kind of a jump thing. He's got a saber in hand. Uh, brings the the anime to life, in a sense. What I really thought was cool, I, I like the, the Ronin font they used for the word Ronin. It's the only one in that kind of Japanese-style calligraphy font. Uh, and then when you open the front cover and the back cover, they are images of... and I. I mean, maybe they're actually from the anime. It's kind of hard to tell. It's a little bit blurry in the book. It's not a, a crisp, crisp picture. It almost looks like it was supposed to have been hand-painted. But it's the Ronin and his droid walking down into the valley on the first one. And then on the other one, it's them also walking into the valley. But it looks like they're a lot closer down into the bottom of the valley now. Um, so I, I get a kick out of those kind of art things and stuff. Uh, plain little white cover with a really cool red uh, font. So digging on that. Yeah, I would say looking at the I have the book as well because I collect all the books. So uh, I did not read the book, but I own the book because I like giving Lucasfilm money. Apparently, um, mm-hmm. uh, the pictures on the inside, I'd say, yeah, they they look like they were taken from the um, the, the 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 anime as well. The I liked how one of the main topics that came up before Visions was ever actually released was the fact that why does this guy have a scabbard for his lightsaber? And it was never explained in the anime short at all, but we get heavily detailed of why he has a scabbard, and it's one of his main character traits in the book. And so I thought that was really mm-hmm. cool, is that that does get explained. It's not a ancient lightsaber that can't turn off. It is a broken lightsaber, and there's a, the reason it's broken is because he really just doesn't want to fix it, or he yeah. doesn't know how to fix it. Yeah, I thought that was cool. And in fact, uh, the way it's presented, Koru fixes it for him. <laughs> like, oh, And she fixes it fairly easily. Like, yeah. It, it, it was funny. I, I did it. I did. I did appreciate that, and the fact that they specifically called it out as why is this um, the way it is, sort of thing, because that was brought up in fandom, um, and it was one of those. I'm like, I'm sure they will answer that question, and they never did in the in the short, uh, but they did. They definitely did in the in the book. The only aspect about the book when it describes that was it brought one question in my mind that was never answered. How often did he have to recharge that thing? <laughs> Oh, he just plugs it in at night. 
like <laughs> it's like, like your like, old phone, you know, the one that's just constantly dead where you have to leave it on the charger all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he just um yep, he, he, uh, you didn't see the battery pack with the wire to the lightsaber? That it was just one of those. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. All right, Jim, I think we're done, man. I think we've covered the Ronin. I believe so. Uh, like I said, I enjoyed it. I thought it was different, um, but I could see why people wouldn't like it. Like, honestly, mm-hmm. it's, it, it is one of those that is so different that it's a lot of people are just not going to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I like I said, being a fan of Legends, I was really kind of hoping it would be a book that a lot of people would like to let Lucasfilm realize, you know, hey, people are down for stories that don't necessarily have to tie into canon. Like, um, you know, that big push that everything has to be canon and then when it isn't we get upset well don't tell us it's all going to be canon and then not make stuff that's canon you know don't give us rules and then break your rules <laughs> that's the point of rules right rules are meant to be broken oh uh, yes yes <laughs> All right, now that about wraps up this episode of Star Wars Beyond the Films. We'd like to thank you once again for hanging around with us as we ponder on sharing our fandom. Remember, you can always listen to our episodes streaming online on the Star Wars Report website, Second Airborne Division of Podcasts at www.starwarsreport.com. Episodes are also available on Stitcher as well as Spotify and even on iTunes. And as always, we encourage you to leave us a review while you're at it. You can find links to our episodes on both our Twitter and Facebook pages at SW Beyond Films or just type in Stars Beyond the Films in the search bar. No matter how you get there, be sure to like our Facebook page. It's literally the best way to interact with us. It's our own home one, if you will. Not only can you post comments to us about the show, we love interacting with you fellow fans. So if you have any Star Wars questions or Legends questions, or if you just want to comment about a past episode, fire off. You can always email us directly at SWBeyondFilms at StarWarsFanWorks.com. Now, lastly, before we go, we want to mention to you our sponsors, Audible. If you go to www.audibletrial.com slash Star Wars Report, you get a free trial run of Audible to see what they're all about. Our sponsors have more than 100,000 titles. You can explore the Star Wars universe, the expanded universe, the Harry Potter or Halo universe, or any other genre without risk of being stuck with a book you flat out hate. That's because Audible members can exchange any book within 12 months, that's one year, with no questions asked. So in this digital age, if you're thinking of making the switch from the page to the audiobook, Audible just might be right for you. So once again, for Stars Beyond the Films, this has been Mark and Whistler. And Jim. Saying thanks for listening and may the force be with you. Don't quote us the odds that now every story that comes out will be considered non-canon and it will be just a universe of universes, a multiverse. What are the odds that someone at Lucasfilm is listening and they're like, Mark's right. We should return to Legends. That is a big pipe dream with Gandalf level pipe weed in it. I'm pretty sure <laughs> the words Mark's right has never been uttered. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a good one. <laughs> Thank you.
Testing, testing. Okay, my audacity is going. Good, good. All right. So you listened to this in audiobook, right? I did. Good, that's what I was hoping. And I, I saw your comment on Facebook, and I was excited because I'm like, good. I'm glad you had a really good experience because like I started out good, but I was like kind of let down. So, well, everybody adding to their comments are like, it wasn't good. It wasn't what I was hoping. And I'm like, I'm not going to wait into this. So. <laughs> I liked it. I thought it was great. <laughs> right. You're like, this, this looks deep and it looks uh, swampy. <laughs> and the question is, is that you have the most prominent non-binary character we've ever had. Um, and how much uh, is people not liking it because of that versus the content of the actual uh, book? Seeing that, I actually hadn't heard anybody really complain. Oh, we're talking Fox, right? Yeah. Yeah, I haven't really heard anybody complaining about Fox per se. Um, I think like the only thing that I thought was weird was like as we got after halfway through the book. Like, uh, Ronan's still referring to Fox as Traveler. I'm like, come on, man. Everybody else is calling him Fox. Why aren't you calling him Fox by now? <laughs> it was just like the boats back and forth got to me at times. But I, my, my biggest hinge is just the history. Like, I really wanted to know more. Like, I just got to the end and I was like, really? You're not going to give me any more details? Damn it. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's all... Like I said, I, I have I have my thoughts. It's not a question and answer book at all. Right, right. I keep telling myself one of these days I'm going to pull out the mic I got last Christmas and plug it in, but I really like my uh, C1U so much that I just haven't. I got a pro mic condenser microphone with a shock mount, and it looks pretty cool, but that's good. I've just been loving this one so much that I haven't bothered. But it looks sexy. <laughs> so let me see. I think... Did I find it? I don't know. No. No, I did not find it. Damn it. <laughs>